Hey everyone, sorry, I had to click the right button and I didn't, and believe it or not, I that's the second time I didn't. Hey, my name is Ben. Uh, we are so glad that you are here joining us. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. I'm Ben. That's I'm Gary. That's Gary. <laughs> Gary is here with us because uh, what we always do is the person that spoke on Sunday, they get to do a little bit deeper dive. Gary preached the message for us on Sunday. We always encourage you to kind of start there. So if you haven't already listened to the message, this is kind of round two or 2.0, however you want to do that. But Gary's going to be kind of challenging us and talking to us a little bit deeper dive into week 12 of the Better Series. And if you're joining us, Online, I want to say, hey, thanks for coming. If you are actually catching this live and in person, don't forget you can actually interact with us now. I have my laptop set up here, so if you've got any questions, you can ask those questions. We'll get to them live, maybe not exactly the same time that you get it, but I promise we'll try and work through that. So if you want to join us on Twitch or on YouTube or Facebook, or just go to our church website and click the Watch Live tab, we are live right now. So thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully you're encouraged by this. Um, one of the things that we do is that I'd want to let you know a couple different things that are happening in and around the life of the church. So basically this week on August 27th, that's Friday, August 27th, the week that we're recording this is right now, it's the 24th. Um, if you're watching this via podcast, that's why I'm giving dates. If you're watching this live, you probably already know what day it is. But on August 27th, we are going to be doing our fourth Friday flicks once again. So we have got, again, a double feature at 5.30 and at 7.30. We're going to be watching two separate movies. The first one at 5.30 is actually the Disney Pixar A Bug's Life movie. That'll be at 5.30, kind of a family-friendly, fun summertime movie. And then at 7.30, we have the summertime classic um, of The Sandlot. If you have not seen The Sandlot, you are missing out, but you can see it this Friday. We're pretty excited for that. So if you want to come out, bring your friends, bring your neighbors, invite people. The whole goal behind this is that hopefully through coming out to events like this, maybe they lead to a spiritual conversation. Maybe not initially, maybe it's a couple times, or you just get to know your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, whatever that is, but it's kind of a tool for you to use to hopefully eventually have a spiritual conversation. So we want to encourage you to come on out to that. We hope that you'll enjoy it. Again, 5.30 Bugs Life, 7.30, it's going to be the Sandlot. It's going to be a lot of fun. The other thing that I want to let you know about is that next Wednesday, on September 1st, we are going to be doing a special prayer and worship night here at the Christian Life Center. So it is going to be at 6.30 p.m. And basically, as we start a brand new school year, we are looking to just kind of lift up this year in prayer. It looks as if it's going to be kind of another complicated, challenging, crazy year, having no idea what COVID is going to do and what changes and last minute things need to happen, but we just want to start this year in prayer. So we want to encourage you to come on out. It'll be a little bit structured in the sense that there'll be a couple different things that we know, and then it'll be a little bit unstructured, just a time of prayer and just kind of seeking God and what he would have for us. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. It should go for about an hour from about 6.30 to 7.30 on September 1st. Please mark your calendars. If you want to be there, we would be happy to have you for that. And uh, I think that is all the announcements that we have. So again, if you have questions, let us know. We do have a question uh, somebody had submitted to us via email. We're gonna get to that in a little bit. But do you wanna kind of give us a update of what we talked about this past sure. week? Sure, sure, I'd be glad to. So um, this whole passage out of um, Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 13, five, was a pretty, pretty tough um, passage. I mean, it was talking about 
um, you know, instead of being resistant, become repentant and allow God to actually change you. And so the big idea was that, um, you know, God's calling us to be prepared for his coming um, and that Jesus warns us of the reality that death and resurrection will also bring division. So this is a really interesting passage. Um, you know, it's really, um, <laughs> there's lots of different levels to it. Um, and Luke, who, you know, as we all know, is this sort of really brilliant physician, scientist. Um, he's talking and sharing all this with Theophilus, which his name actually means God-fearer, um, trying to figure out, you know, who do they owe allegiance to? Do they owe allegiance to Caesar? Do they owe allegiance to, um, to Jesus? And so Jesus actually, um, you know, is there and he gets murdered. Um, comes back to life and so Theophilus actually hires Luke so that they can have some certainty and this is what Luke 134 or 1 verses 3 through 4 says with this in mind since I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning I decided to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught and so um, so Luke wants to make sure that Theophilus realizes that, um, that what is being taught, there's a certainty to it. So that's what sort of, I guess, the kickoff into this, um, you know, this, uh, this part of the sermon's about, so. Awesome, I am just, I promise I am paying attention. <laughs> I am just saying hi to everyone that is joining us online. So uh, yeah, so, uh, and I just rec recognized or realized that I forgot my notes. So we're gonna do it all off the top of the head. And if it's a shorter one this week, because I forgot my notes. <laughs> it's it's funny because I was traveling back from a wedding this past weekend. So as the service was happening, I was like tra traveling through Brooklyn. And uh, I specifically watched the message yesterday and took notes so that I could bring them here. And here we are. So anyway, so yeah, in this one, we kind of started to talk through some of the hard sayings of Jesus, right? So yeah, yeah. the last few weeks, Jesus has been talking to this group of people that has kind of really a mixed bag. So there's people that are far from Christ that maybe right. they're just coming to right. see who this guy is. Maybe they've heard some of the miracles. They've heard some of the things that he's done. And they're just showing up out of curiosity. But then you also have the scribes and Pharisees, right? You have That's this right. religious right. group yeah. who at this point... Um, this is a long conversation, so maybe we'll say just in the fact that in the beginning of this conversation, as we're reading through Luke, um, they're really starting to despise Jesus, right? They're looking to find yeah. a way to trap him, to crucify him, yeah. and ultimately kill him. But then he's also got his disciples. So here what we see is Jesus has got some harsh words, right? Like some of the hard sayings of Jesus, and we kind of went through some of them this past week. And, and Jesus said a lot in that, um, and, and I guess the first question that I'm kind of thinking of is going, this isn't the first, when we think of Jesus, we think of meek, mild, yeah. like this very well put together, nice, like holding a lamb on his shoulders, Jesus. But in this passage, do, do we see a different type of Jesus here? Like, and how do we begin to understand that, yes, Jesus was meek and and mild and the way that josh always says it is that to the afflicted he was um he, he showed grace but it was to um what he came to he afflicted the uncomfortable yes inflicted the, the comfortable yeah. and 
um, comforted the, the afflicted. afflicted yeah. So how do we begin to like look at this and understand this for what's going on here? Yeah. So I think that you know this is this is a great passage. So you have to balance this out. In fact, one of the questions we got is you know how do you balance justice and wrath with yeah. grace and forgiveness? Which I think is a great question. But this is really Jesus, you know, sort of at his best. And I think you know one thing you got to understand is that. Um, that God comes with boundaries. Like, mm. I mean, I think that that God, you know, Jesus has the right to say, "Hey, this is this is how it is. This is what's really important." And so, um, so this is not Jesus meek and mild. This is Jesus yeah. who's ready for action. He's he's sort of um, ready to lay it all out, challenge all of our assumptions, um, and. But the reason for that is because in doing that, then we can find out life as it's intended to be. And so I think that's really important. And one of the one of the interesting facts in this to me was um, just thinking about, we do think of Jesus as sort of this nice guy. You right. know, he doesn't ever say anything all that, that rugged or tough. But actually, if you look at, you know, what he is talking about, um, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26 says this, you know, um, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, mm. take up their cross and follow me. I mean, th this is a tough saying. And mm. uh, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants loses their life for me will find it. What good can it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Mm. So this is Jesus, I think, you know, sort of coming out totally as this is who I am. Um, I, I want you to know that, you know, I'm going to challenge you um, because what you need to do is actually give up your life <laughs> in order to really yeah. find it. And, and that's a hard that's a hard saying for us, yeah. a hard thing for us to do. Yeah, I think one of the things that was for me kind of hit home as I was listening to it yesterday. And again, you can find that on our media page if you're interested in doing that. But as I was listening to it, one of the things that was so evident is that it's First off, I think a lot of times Christians are known for what they're against, but that's not necessarily the case. That's kind of secondary, and that is important, I think, to talk about. But really, it's kind of identifying what we are for. We are for the kingdom of that's God. And right. really what happens is that when you make a choice, that's exactly it. You make a choice. And choosing this means to the exclusion of the majority of the time to all of these other things, yeah. right? And yeah. I think that that's what, what Jesus is kind of very, very much getting at here and going, you can either choose, and I'm so sorry I don't have my notes, but you can either choose to reject or you can choose to repent. And he's just kind of pointing out the the better choice here is to actually repent and to, to make a choice for the kingdom of God. And secondarily, not primarily, but secondarily, that means that you're kind of choosing to to walk away from your will, your desire, your things, but to go after the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and I just feel like as we go through this, as we talk about money, like, again, another saying that Josh says, it's like, you know, Jesus wants so much more than just your money. He wants all of you. Right. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's establishing his kingdom as an all or nothing. And yeah. I was having a conversation with another staff member the other day and just kind of made mention of, and it's just kind of stuck with me. Literally, it was just yesterday and they said, um, I'm going to completely destroy kind of the idea of what they were talking about, but they were talking about somebody um, who said that kind of America is just kind of in this um, this sleep or in this, um, like that we've been sung to sleep like a lullaby. Uh -huh. And I think that 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 resonated because I think that's true. Like, as I think about it, if we allow the cares of this world, if we allow the 
you know, I've got to build my kingdom and I want to get this and I want this possession and this and this and this, then we miss out on the kingdom that God has for us. And we, as Christians, become content. We become complacent and not pursuing after the kingdom of God. So I think uh, you made a great analogy of Beethoven. In fact, could you re-explain that? So um, um, just in case somebody didn't hear that. Yeah. So Beethoven um, would oftentimes sort of lull the um, the audience into, you know, just sort of this really, really, you know, majestic kind of um, piano playing that he was doing. And um, but then once in a while, what he would do is he would actually um, just to sort of jar them out of their slumber. Um, he would just take his arm and just go bam right down on the keys, and um, and that sort of woke them all up. And I I think that's a little bit of what we see happening in yeah. this passage is Jesus is sort of saying, hey, you know, you've always thought this is how it is, but it's really different than that. And he sort of brings his arm down and just says, you know, here it is. In fact, <laughs> this um, first part of um, chapter 12 verses 49. Um, going on a little bit says, um, you know, I came to bring fire on the earth. How I wish it was already kindled. Um, I have a baptism to undergo. Um, What constraint I'm under until it's completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, I came to bring division. And from now on, there'll be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, two against three. Um, So there's a lot going on in this passage, which, um, you know, again, these are the the tougher, harder words, the harder sayings of Jesus. Yeah. And that, I feel like as you read that, if you're a first time Christian, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, because even one of the things that happens is start to talk about family. And as like, as you look at the way that God instituted things, that was one of the first, um, first What's the word I'm looking for? First structures. It's the first, first things, um, yeah. the things first that he created, created right? Yeah. was yeah. like man and woman for this reason, man shall leave his mother and father and become joined to like his, his um, wife. And like, so he ordained and set up families. And so family is important. But here Jesus is going, I did not come to bring peace on earth. No, I t- but division, like not peace, but a sword. From here, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Uh, three against two and two against three and they will be divided father and son son against father mother against daughter and daughter against mother mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law and there's probably a couple mother-in-law jokes that i could make there but i'm not going to (laughs) do that (laughs) i'm just going to avoid that entirely for those of you that have crazy mother-in-laws i know yeah so so here like jesus has established the family but yet now, how do we make light? Like, so what is Jesus saying? And I think I already know the answer to this. Family's important, but Jesus is so much more important. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that is it safe to assume that? Yeah, I think it is because part of what he's saying is that um, there's going to be a natural kind of thing that happens. And, and, and the reality is that when you choose to follow Jesus, it means that there's other things you're not choosing to yeah. do. And so there is a, a kind of natural division. And I think, you know, a lot of times families experience this too. Like um, I've been in churches before where um, somebody just thought, oh, this person is too religious. Like they're, they're all of a sudden, you know, getting, they're just way overboard and, you know, we need to haul them back in and, mm. you know, try sort of um, un, un, um, you know, unbrainwash them in that sense. And I, it's interesting. I was at a camp one time years and years ago where, um, you know, a mom actually came up and got her son and brought him home because Mm. she thought he had been, you know, he had just been indoctrinated into this Mm. false religion, Christianity and stuff. And so, so again, I think that what we have to see here 
is that Jesus is saying that, you know, there's a crisis of judgment that's never really that far away from us. And, you know, he's talking about how he, his very presence then is going to bring some people closer, yeah. but it's going to drive some people further yeah. away as well. I was curious, as you talked about this, I feel like it was more of a, a just a kind of side comment. So it made me wonder if there was more to talk about. But one of the things you said, it's interesting, is that this doesn't talk about a husband kind of verse yeah. wife, like a husband against wife. Like, yeah. should we, like, so is that omitted there on purpose? Is it, like, I'm just curious your thoughts, if there was something more in there. Yeah, so basically what I was reading um you know, in the New International Version commentaries was that, um, you know, that part of it is that Jesus has this really important stipulation that, you know, that nothing should ever separate a husband and a wife. And yeah, so right. they, they really felt like that was really, it, it It names all these other different relationships, yeah, right. but it doesn't comment about yeah. that a husband and a wife will be isolated. Now, there are different places where um, we know that, um, you know, there might be a non-believing spouse and mm. a believing spouse. Yeah, Paul talked about that, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 okay. And so that can also be complicated. And um, and I think that that might be one of the places where, you know, a division might come in. And um, But again, mm. Jesus himself is so pro-marriage that, yeah. you know, I, the commentator said basically that's the why he didn't put that in there because mm. he just wants to make sure that, um, you know, that they understand that he's not come to separate a husband and a wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if it's a believing husband and wife, he's come to actually bring them together together yeah you know that kind of thing and if i remember correctly paul's teaching was more of his advice was more if you can live at peace with one another the believer shouldn't separate from their spouse right if i remember correctly well and, and part of what paul was saying was that um that by demonstrating the gospel yeah, yeah. then you can actually win that unbelieving spouse right. to christ right. and so i think that's another piece that's really big for evangelism you yeah, know sure is that and and i you know again People get married for different reasons. There's different things that happen. And, you know, um, and it might be that they have an unbelieving spouse, but now God's going to help them, you know, uh, help help be in the midst of that and, and bring about, you know, a good kind of reconciliation for them as well. Yeah. Uh, so as we continue on, I wanted to uh, read and, and actually let me look at this. Uh, we did have a, a question that we want to get to. I think you kind of already alluded it alluded to it um but let me ask and, and i'm just going to go ahead and read the, yeah. the the question now i think this is a good time so this is what one of our listeners says it says how do you balance justice and wrath with grace and forgiveness so uh, i think that goes to kind of this question of going didn't come to bring peace but a sword and but also knowing that we're called to love mm -hmm. and show christ their actions so how do you balance justice and wrath with grace and forgiveness. The oxymoron is just too foreign for a mere humanoid to grasp so deeply as to bring about change from what seems to be right to do for oneself and family preservation to a willingness to have a harshly divided family. And in this, there's kind of a more of a personal question there as well, which I'll probably just avoid from now. But how do we how do we balance that? That's the question. How do we balance justice and wrath with grace and forgiveness, specifically within family? Yeah. Well, I would say that, you know, that's a really good question. And I would say also that I think that you have to understand that that justice and wrath is always related to grace and forgiveness. So, mm -hmm. you know, the actual um, 
coming into a point of justice and wrath actually helps to prepare us to be people who want to understand forgiveness and grace in new ways. So I sort of see that as really more related hmm. um, in the sense that, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's the justice and the wrath of God that may actually... Um, be pointing us back to who God is in a way that we can then accept God's love and grace in our lives in new ways and and receive God's forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So, so I think um, I think there's more of a relationship there than than we realize. Yeah. Uh, so as we jump in that, and and I'll be honest, in that I I probably had more questions, but the screen over there turned off for a second, so I got a little nervous, and then I <laughs> only heard half of the. Uh, so sorry. So sorry. So no problem. Uh, jumping back into the text. So this week we were covering. Uh, it was twelve forty nine through thirteen five, if I remember That's correctly. That's correct. That's correct. Um, and again, I really wish I had my notes here. But oh well. Here, here's what fifty four says. I'll probably read fifty four through fifty six. So talks about it didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, or didn't come to bring peace, but division. Um, so fifty four says this. He said to the crowd. When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. Verse 55, and when the south winds blow, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. 56, hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present times? And in this, I'm curious, like, is there a deeper dive in, I don't know, I guess the meteor meteorology of that day, <laughs> but then also... You made a point that we'll get to probably secondary is how do we interpret the signs of this present time? Like because people have been trying to interpret when Jesus is coming back for years. Like I think you use the ex right, example right, of right, the right. Jehovah's, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Witnesses yeah. when you were younger in the 70s where they had predicted a, a year and, yeah. and kind of got startled going, were they right? But how do we interpret the sign? So first part, is there something more in how they understood the weather of that time? And then yeah. kind of that other yeah. question there. So I think um, it was interesting because if you look at um, Palestine and in that time, you know, that um, in fact, Jesus said it this way, when you see a cloud rising in the West, you say it's going to rain. Yeah. You know, so, and I liked, I thought about this in terms of the weather channel. Like yeah. I've got the weather channel on my phone, sure. you know, because that way I can, I can look and see if it's going to rain today, that kind of thing. Um, but the reality is that, um, Jesus is really calling them out. I mean, what he's yeah. saying is, you know, if you if you already know when you see a cloud, it might rain, or if you know that the wind is coming from the south, then you know it's going to be a scorching heat. He's really saying you already know sort of the signs of the times. You see this stuff coming, so how come you're not paying attention to it? Hmm. And I think that that's the thing is that you know he's challenging us to read the signs around us um, and realize that God is actually um, working behind the scenes and all of these things. And so, you know, this charge is sort of for not being as observant to the signs of the times or the coming judgment as they are to the weather. And so that's sort of laid out there, you know, like, how yeah. come you're not paying attention to this? You should, you should know this is coming. You should, you should know that I've come and that by my very presence, there will be those who will choose to follow me yeah. and those who will choose to not follow me. Yeah. So then kind of the second part of that question, how do we, if somebody's listening and they're maybe they're new to their faith or they just like the whole idea of hearing from God is still foreign. Like how do we begin to interpret the signs? Like, is there something that we should be looking for in today's day and age? Like how do we understand where things are? Like, I think, the, the disciples, as they wrote the, even the New Testament, like there was this understanding that 
the time was imminent, right? Like Jesus yeah. was coming back like next week. Like that that was kind of the urgency that they lived with. That's right. And we should have a similar urgency, but how do we interpret the signs? I, I don't know. I, I is yeah, that that's a, a good question. I mean, I think it's a good question. So I, um, you know, again, I sort of alluded to the Jehovah's Witnesses, and, yeah. you know, that they had thought Jesus was going to come back. And, you know, this whole... And they've picked dates throughout the, the oh, years. Oh, yeah, yeah, they like have. It's, yeah, I mean, I'm it's, pretty it's, sure they probably have dates now. Yeah, that's right. And so uh, so this is, and, and I guess that's part of it. Like, you know, Jesus says that no one knows the day or time yeah. except for the Father. And so, you know, that's a pretty good statement for us to, you know, sort of hang our hat on yeah. and realize, you know, yeah. so we're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to be able to figure this out. Um, but he also then, um, in this passage, Jesus actually alludes to them as hypocrites, which yeah. is, you know, also a pretty judgmental statement, right? But but he's using that, and he's really talking about one who sort of is a stage actor. And that's that whole idea of hypocrisy, is that they used to have um, sort of a way of making their voice louder, they would wear a mask, and, and it had the idea of hiding behind a mask, um, and that, that then a way of augmenting the voice and so here in Matthew, in Matthew itself, which is not what we're in, we're in Luke, but um, that word hypocrite is used about 15 different times. Um, and then it's used specifically in um, Luke chapter 6, verse 42, and then also in 13, 15. And so, um, you know, and, and here, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, is pointed out is that this is an argument from the lesser to the greater. And, and what that means is that, if the crowds pay attention to this change in the weather, you know, even a small cloud on the, on the horizon or a puff of wind from the south, they should learn to pay more attention to, and this is the word kairos, which is the word for season. And, um, and season means, you know, that there's an opportunity. It's, it's mm. an opportune time for action. So, mm. so there's a hidden meaning. Again, you look at the Greek language and you can see this sort of hidden meaning behind that. Um, it's a sign that judgment is at hand, um, and it means really that the present time is the opportunity for, mm. for us to really, you know, realize that the kingdom is here. Yeah, and it just goes back to everything that we've been talking about through this entire Better series, but even the book of Luke as a whole, as we're, we're in, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, we're past a year, we're beyond a year, a little bit more than just a year of teaching from Luke. The kingdom of God wasn't just for tomorrow. It isn't just for tomorrow. It's for today. And that was true when it was written. It was true when it was, you know, Luke recorded all of this. And it's true for us now is that the opportune time is now. Yeah. And I think that that's, I feel like that's more of an invitation. Like I'm seeing that more of an invitation each and every time that it's like Jesus is talking specifically to them saying now is the time, but also to us saying now is the time yeah. to see the, the signs of kind of this present age or present time. Yeah. Um, any, any other thoughts there? Well, let me just, I'll go on just a little bit. So he sure. says, you know, he says um, in verse 57, why don't yeah. you judge for yourselves what's right as you're, as you're going on with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way. It's, it's interesting because, you know, it, back in that day and age, um, and we actually, I, I think I told you this a long time ago, but we actually went to see where Paul and Peter had probably been dropped into prison. Mm. Um, this would have been, it was in Rome, so it was a little different than, you know, 
perhaps what's happening here in this passage. But the reality was that, um, you know, they would drop these prisoners through this hole in the ground and they would fall about 15 feet down. And a lot of times they would break their leg. And, and that was actually part of the whole punishment of all this, because what they would do is that if you were in, you know, if you were in the prison, um, it was hope, it was hoped that somebody would bring you food. They would take care of you. They would, um, they would make sure you were all right. But here in this passage, it talks about you know, that um, you're going to be thrown into prison um, and you tell you, you will not get out of there without paying the last penny. And this idea of penny was actually one one twenty eighth of a denarius. So it was like the smallest hmm. possible coin used in Palestine in the first century. But the, the reality of that is that once you were at the mercy of the legal system, um, the, debt, the debtor really had little chance of escape. They were pretty much going to be stuck there. And so, you know, and, and the catch comes, you know, how do you pay a debt when you're actually in prison? Um, you can't. That's the only thing to do. So, so Jesus says here the only smart thing to do was to settle with one's accuser before the matter became, came before the court. So that was what he was saying. He was saying, you know, as you're going off and you're going to be it. And it's actually interesting because it gets, it gets pretty ominous there. I mean, yeah. like it gets to be where it's pretty, it's pretty subtle, but it's building. And so again, the smart thing to do is to actually, um, you know, actually settle your account before you get to that stage. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. And, and I think that re goes back to repentance again, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, instead of being, um, you know, at odds with God, instead repent and yeah. be, don't be resistant, be repentant and let God actually, you know, work in you and, and yeah. help you in that. It's and it's interesting because it's it's gracious that Jesus would say this rather than just go, okay, you can figure it out on your own. In the end time, he's going, no, like it would be wise in the same way that if you've got, you know, debts to settle. Like instead of standing before the judge, figure that out before you get to that point. And I, I too, in my studies, have seen and heard like just how brutal the Romans were yeah. within. Well, really everything <laughs> like and that was part of the reason why they had a, you know, a 300 year or 300 plus year reign because they had a system of, of doing things. And part of that was being harsh to prisoners. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was interesting because part of what he's saying is, you know, what what claims our closest attention? Like and I think that's the thing, like what are what are we actually attentive to? But the flip of that is what what do we turn a blind eye to? And so one yeah. of the reflections was, you know, do we end up, um, you know, do we end up actually reaching a crisis proportion in some aspect of our life mm. before we even realize it? Like in mm. some of the examples were, you know, does it happen in our marriage? Um, how about the well-being of our children or our parents or our own health? You know, sometimes we're really not taking care that well, taking care of ourselves that well. Mm. Um, What's suffered as a result of misplaced focus or attention? Um, what challenges us to examine the inconsistencies between that which we do pay attention to and that which we tend to neglect in our lives? And so I think that's important as well. One of the things I, w I wanted to ask, actually, uh, one of our uh, viewers online just asked this. So thanks for the question. We really appreciate it. It says, concerning Jesus's second coming, and we were just talking about this a moment ago, um, are there any um, unfulfilled prophecies that would inhibit his return tomorrow. And kind of the second part of that is because as I read the signs of the times, it sure seems near term is the answer. So is there any unfulfilled prophecies? Like, is there any reason to not think that Jesus is coming back tomorrow? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I'm not sure. Um, not yeah. sure if there's anything. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, part of what he's saying is that, you know, this is the time and the season and yeah. I'm, I'm going to show up and, yeah. and my presence is going to bring division and it's going to bring heartache. And, it, yeah. uh, but at the same time, it's going to bring salvation. Yeah. And that's really important too. So that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. So thanks LK uh, and Nancy, if you're there as well. Uh, thanks for that question. We always appreciate yeah. that. So uh, I guess kind of turning the page, uh, maybe in your Bible, it's that, but to Luke chapter 13. So this is still the same group. And it's important to kind of recognize that the uh, chapters and verses, those numbers weren't added till later. So this right, is right. kind of a continuation. This is Luke just recording his information. So this is a continuation of that. Um, and this is where we get kind of repent or perish. At least in, in this, there's a text that says repent or perish. And I'll just read the first five verses of chapter 13 of Luke. It says, Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. I'm curious about that one. Um, Jesus answered, Do you think that these Gal uh, Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Asylum fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Hmm. And that's kind of where we finished this past week. That's kind of the last verse that we read. But man, here's uh, again, it's Jesus again, as we're talking about. These are harsh sayings. They're hard sayings. He is not, he's not light lightening the load. He is right, kind of, right. here it is. Like, unless you repent, you will perish. Yeah, that's he's right. speaking very bluntly and very plainly. I believe so that they understand the gravity of what they are actually facing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and I think too that there's also so this is an interesting um uh, an interesting sort of side note to um verses 13 or 13 1 through 5 that um actually um Josephus who's a, a first century Jewish theologian um, Jewish historian, I'm sorry, um, he actually recounts some of these things that Pilate actually did in confronting the Jews. And he confirmed that there was bloodshed that was poured out and it was not uncommon. And so, you know, there's a lot going on here. Um, but I think also that Jesus actually sort of grabs a teachable moment with them. And so what he does is he talks about it and, and helps them to see something. Like, for example, um, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the others because they suffered this way? And then he very clearly, Jesus says, no, um, but unless you repent, you too will perish. And so, you know, do you think that those who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all of the others living in Jerusalem? And then he says, no, I tell you no. So I think it's interesting that this is a challenge, um, you know, to what we tend to think of uh, how sin works. Like we mm. tend to think, you know, when I really, really sin, you know, when I'm, I'm really doing wrong, uh, that somehow God punishes me, 
you know, brings me back. But here, um, they're actually challenging that and saying that, um, you know, it's not that sin is the cause of all of our problems. It doesn't make it better. Right. You know, no way it makes it better. But at the same time, you know, if God's responsible for everything that happens and God is a just God, then, um, you know, this sort of popular notion would be that the calamities that must be res- must be a result of our own human sinfulness. But here, mm-hmm. Jesus says, no, it's not actually that. It is... Um, you know, it is, this is all so that you can then um, realize that actually God loves you, wants to grace you, um, and that God wants to be with you. And I, I had this one quote here that, um, you know, such a theology is always better in theory than it is in dealing with the tragedies and calamities of life. And yeah. I, you know, I, I think that's so true. Like, you know, I can say, hey, yeah, you, you're in trouble because you have sinned. But the reality is that, you know, at what point do we actually, you know, invite somebody into a relationship? At what point do we do we get a chance to sit down with them, talk with them about life, yeah. hear their story, um, you know, help them to understand that God's with them in the midst of what's going on? And there's this um, John 9 passage, what, you know, where um, as Jesus is going on um, the way he sees a man that's born blind from birth, and mm-hmm. the disciples ask him this really great theological question. They say, you know, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus' response is sort of startling. He says, it's neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And so Jesus has a way of sort of exposing the fallacy of our reasoning, um, yeah. while at the same time driving the point that life is uncertain, driving home the point that life's uncertain, death's unavoidable, judgment is inevitable. And so again, the message comes, you know, yeah. repent and turn around, go in the other direction, because that's where you'll find life. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about that statement the, about theology of, well, you sin, they've done something wrong, they've sinned, so therefore they they deserve this. Like, you're right. Like, if you've ever sat with or if you've ever experienced loss um, in any sense, yeah. uh, but if you've lost a loved one, <laughs> I don't think anybody would go, you know what? Well, they kind of deserved it. Like right, their their right. sin kind of found them out. And and if, if somebody is doing that, man, gosh, uh, I would caution you to not talk to anyone maybe ever again. But uh, that's just my thoughts. Like, because that is such, death is such a, a tragic thing that it impacts on a level that it would be cold and calloused to to say something regardless of how those final minutes of their life or however they they came to pass it would just yeah. be tragic to do yeah yeah um yeah so uh, so the positive point of this is that you know we should live each day in such a way that we have no fear of giving account yeah. for how we have used the gifts that God has given to us. And I, I think that's a good thing to learn and, and think about. We talk about stewardship a lot here, yeah, right? right? So, you know, how do we actually, um, how do we actually use and, um, and are grateful for the gifts that God's given us? That's really important. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, Jesus is challenging us again to think about how we use these good gifts that God's given us. So that is kind of the end of the text. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to share? I know that we're short on time. And again, I feel like I had some great questions to ask this week. And of course, I didn't bring it, but it's been a full day already. So any other thoughts, Any other anything that didn't make you know Sunday's 
um, message that you wanted to share here or any other thing that you wanted to add to that? Well, I did I did lead people in sort of an object lesson, had them stand yeah. up and right. you know turn right. to the right, then turn to the left. And, and I think again that you know one of the ways that we need to understand um, repentance is that it is a turning. It's right. a it's a turning around and facing the opposite direction right, so that we right. can um, we can really embrace what God is calling us to do. And I think all of that's really important because what that does then is it helps us to um, helps us to understand that God um, is the one who is actually helping to turn us. God yeah. is actually the one who is already drawing us in a different direction. And yeah. so if we think about repentance positively, you know, it means that we are we are stopping going in that direction to turn around and really embrace the right. direction right. that God wants us to go in. And, and I think another thing, I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I was just thinking that there was a great thought. Like I, I, I do remember writing this down of going repentance because we always think of being sorry and remorseful. Right, right. But right. it's that turning. It's the act of moving away. If I was facing this way, I'm now going this way. Right. That I think is so important. So in that sense, repentance isn't a negative in the sense that I'm just right. sorry and remorseful, but it's it's a choice. Right. So we can repent even if what we're doing isn't a sin, but we still need to turn away from it. It may not be a bad thing that we're doing, but we need to repent and turn from that. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And, and I was thinking too that, you know, this is part of the reason why... Um, well, we find ourselves in community, which is so important um, yeah. for us as a church. You know, part of what happens is, um, you know, we're, we're better together. Um, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, we, you know, we have an opportunity to actually encourage each other. Um, when we're community together, we can support each other and be with each other and help each other. And, and I think it's also why grace is important, you know, that, um, that grace itself um, helps us to be able to um, accept the fact that um, that we need grace as well as everybody else needs grace, yeah. and that um, that God calls us to be graceful people. Yeah, yeah. Well, any other thoughts in that? Um, well, there's one more. I, Good. I don't know how much we want to do. We, I um, mean, we've got plenty of time. Yeah. So we're about to give you like extra time, I think, in your day. We're ah. not going to quite make it to an hour. <laughs> not that we necessarily always try, but we always do. Yeah. Well, I wanted to I wanted to just end, I guess, with thinking about actually Scott McKnight's um, mm. criticism. He so if you're familiar at all with the Jesus Seminar, it's a weird it's a weird deal. I don't know if I am. Well, the Jesus Seminar was a bunch of people that decided, and they basically had a red bead, a green bead, and a yellow bead. And what they did was they looked at all of the New Testament and they decided based on their voting whether they considered that to be an original word of Jesus or actually something that was added later. Yeah, I don't think so, I would do that. So this is a weird, this is a weird group to start with. Well, I, I should say, I mean, I think, you know, Scott yeah. McKnight actually gives them some, yeah. like he says, you know, that that kind of scholarship sometimes is helpful. Um, but I think I the reality say with is scripture that that would be helpful because yeah. then there are warning in Revelations like not to add or oh, take yeah, away yeah, from that's any right. of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's one of the last things yeah. in the Bible. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. So, but McKnight I think makes a really, really pertinent point here. He says that um, you know our culture tends to see Jesus as a man who didn't can, um, engage in confrontation or right. talk about judgment, and then he goes on to say, you know, that yeah. actually, you know, this is not true. He says that his very fundamental disagreement with each of these different views of Jesus hmm. is that such a Jesus would never have been crucified, um, would never have drawn fire, the fire that he did, 
would never have commanded the following that he did, would never have created a movement that still shakes the world. Jesus, who went around saying wise and witty things, would not have been threatening enough to have been crucified during Passover when he was surrounded by hundreds of people who actually liked him. Um, And so he just makes it very clear. And I think this is really important that, um, you know, Jesus actually draws this bold line, but it's really a bold line for all of us that, you know, that we too need to realize that repentance is really important. And, And the message comes to us that if we don't repent, then we too shall perish. And so the whole idea of repenting is this actual sort of new reorientation to life. It's, um, it doesn't mean nearly to, merely to regret the things we've done or to apologize that, for them, but to recognize the wrong that we've committed. Um, to repent is to agree that a change of direction is required and then to respond accordingly. And it means also to understand that life lived outside of God in Christ is not really life as God intended it to be. So I think those are really important things for us to understand. Yeah, I did. As you read that quote on Sunday, I thought that that was really good because you're right. If if Jesus was such a meek and mild and he didn't draw a line in the sand and it was a bold line, you're right. No, he wouldn't have been crucified. It would right. be like, oh, that's just Jesus. He's meek and mild. He he poses no threat. Exactly. But exactly. That, that's, so yeah. I thought that that was great. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that that's probably all that we've got for you today. Um, hopefully you enjoy the extra 15 minutes that you get. I think it's about 15 minutes. Um, I, do, I will just remind you once again, this coming Friday on August 27th, we have a double feature here at the church for movie night. First one at 5.30 is A Bug's Life. 7.30 is The Sandlot. Hope that you can come out to that. It's a rain or shine event, so come on out. And then also on September 1st at 6.30, there is a prayer and worship night. So that's kind of all that we've got today. Thank you for those of you that have submitted a question. As always, if you are interested in submitting a question, you can email us overtime at clcfamily.church. You can text us. Our number is 610-869-2140. You can always jump online. We usually start around 12-ish. I'll say between 12 and 1230, we start. Depends on how our staff meetings go in the morning. So um, you can jump online, ask your questions there. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this. And yeah, we will see you next week. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. God bless.